Welcome back to the Sand Hills Podcast. My name is Pastor John. Uh, we are joined by Pastor Jeff yet again, part two, the remix, fully reloaded. <laughs> Welcome. That's great. I feel like a sequel. That's yeah, it's, you know, we're just going to keep building up. It's going to be like the Fast and Furious ones. It's going to keep going. Nice. But as a Christian, of course, I haven't seen those movies. But yeah. I yes, no, about. neither have oh, I. I actually haven't, fun fact. I just know that there are a lot of them. Okay, yeah. No, I don't know. Seven, if you know how many there are, like and comment and share this clip. And we'll see how many people actually know how many there are. Correct answer is infinite. It will never end, ever. Maybe so. Well, welcome. Hey, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> this is a great start. Do we need to edit all this? this? <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. We'll just dive right into it. Okay. Uh, but for those who are maybe tuning in for the first time, maybe missed the other introduction, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do here, how you got here maybe? Sure. A little bit? Okay. Yeah, so my name is Jeff Philpon. I'm the senior pastor, lead pastor of Sand Hills Community Church. Um, my wife and I and a small group of people started this church uh, a little over 20 years ago in uh, 1998. Actually, October 97, but, you know, who's counting? Uh, and so we have been a part of this church since the very beginning. Um, this was not always my goal. I didn't grow up in... Um, in the type of home that maybe you would think would produce this. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I went, grew up in a church-going home, but it wasn't really a really active in our faith kind of home. And um, God got a hold of my life in a dynamic way in college in particular. Uh, started in high school, but then in college really just kind of became um, just, I don't know, challenged by the Lord in a really unique way and uh, ended up going into ministry. Uh, and there are other elements of that journey that I'm going to share as we go forward here, but that's Excellent. the big picture. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. the mystery. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right, so that's amazing, and obviously so thankful that your faithfulness at the start of that journey has now led to a position where I work here and get to enjoy that. I like that and, as well. That's and get cool. to work with you yeah, and, yeah. And, and for the gospel and get to work here in Columbia, and it's been an amazing journey, and so it's going to be fun to kind of look backwards and talk about that as we continue our series on passionate professions and the idea of you know work people in the workplace, how do they do ministry, how do they partner in the ministry, where they are, at, you know, contextually. Right. So uh, we're kind of look back at your story and see how part of that happened. So what, sure. what was your first job before ministry? Yeah. So I, you know, I went to school to get a bachelor's degree in business. So I went to Appalachian State University, shameless plug for App State. It was a great school. <laughs> I had a great experience there. I uh, went to App State, uh, actually just to be in the mountains, but uh, everybody offers a business degree. So I got a business degree. But while I was there, I kind of, I kind of really majored in Jesus to be mm. fair. Uh, and Actually, my grades probably reflect that, but that's another story. <laughs> the Lord would probably hold me accountable to some of that. But anyway, um, and then when I graduated, uh, then I, I became kind of conflicted because along the way, the Lord really got a hold of my heart and my life. As I, as I began to see life through like an eternal lens, mm -hmm. uh, it changed my view of what I wanted to do in life. Uh, and yet, between my junior and senior year, I had interned at a major brokerage firm at their headquarters out in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, my family, I come from a family of stockbrokers. Uh, my father was a stockbroker, and my mom had her license, and then uh, my sister now carries on in the business today, and I was going to do that as well. Um, and so I was kind of toying with that, and then at the same time, just with Jesus rocking my world, I was thinking, well, maybe maybe I'll go into seminary, maybe I'll go into ministry full-time, professionally, which that was, you know, wrestling with that, and I knew that for me, kind of an Abraham and Isaac moment that uh, I was putting a lot of money on, on the sacrificial yeah. table, so to speak. Um, <laughs> But that was part of my journey, and um, and so I, I ended up, Michelle and I, Michelle, my wife, we had been getting really serious dating-wise, mm -hmm. and uh, just as God was working in my heart, decided that I would just head towards seminary, but we didn't have any money, and I didn't want to just go and take out a bunch of loans, and so we took the next year, and I, I got a job at a major car dealership, 
in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. So I worked for uh, uh, a Ford dealership in Charlotte and uh, went from selling cars to then being uh, the customer service manager uh, by the end of my uh, time there. And so that, that kind of preceded seminary. In fact, before I came down to seminary formally uh, here in Columbia, the, um, my boss at the dealership had approached me and said, listen, what, what would it take to get you to stay here at the dealership? Uh, so I took that wow. as an affirmation. I was like, yeah, okay, that's good. nice. Hey, they like me. They really like me. But, um, but no, I just, I knew I wanted to serve the Lord. And so it was, it was tough to leave something I felt I was actually pretty good at. I enjoyed, I was pretty successful at. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, you know, I wanted to follow the call of the Lord. So we came down here. So my, my two experiences then were kind of informally at the brokerage firm as an intern and they'd wanted me back. And then formally at the car dealership uh, where I was you know, compensated by way of salary to do what I did. Gotcha. So then let's, we'll look at the uh, post-college job at the car dealership. Yeah. What was that like? You know, obviously you said, you know, you majored kind of in Jesus at school. Right, and yeah. so you're coming out of that with a Christian perspective, knowing you want to go into ministry, but having to be in the workplace at the same time. Was that difficult or did you take that kind of time to grow and what kind of things did you learn while you were there? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And there's actually a couple nuances here mm-hmm. because I think, like, I can't think like, early Jeff thought like, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was like 20 in my young twenties, 22, yeah. 23. Uh, and I can't get back into that, but, but now I've got some wisdom to reflect back on mm-hmm. and, and just trying to remember kind of how I was and how I, one of the dangers I think of anybody that, that wants to go into professional ministry, but for whatever period of time has to spend time in a, what we might call a secular vocation. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is they, they might look down on that a bit, kind of like, oh, I've had to settle. Mm. Like, I really want to get to where God wants me, uh, but it, but until then, I have to do this. And so it's like, I want to get to a point where I can really work for the Lord, uh, but until then, I'll just have to do this. And so already, I would say that's a problem. That's a major problem. Like, that mm-hmm. for anybody that would listen to this, um, and for the big picture topic of what we're talking about, maybe you mentioned this earlier, uh, is this getting to this idea of a theology of work. Mm. Um, I think that, uh, that I actually had a pretty good, a well-balanced theology of work back then, even though I couldn't have articulated it. That is, mm. I saw myself in these roles, like at the car dealership, thinking, like, if there's anything that I would do differently if I, when I got in professional ministry that I'm not trying to do in some form here, then I am not legitimately really pursuing the Lord and trying to live out my faith. Mm. And so I try to really let that be a place of ministry for me. And so I, I shared my faith frequently um, with my coworkers. Uh, I invited them to church with me. Uh, I was active in my local church. We uh, got involved in ministry there and, and did outreaches through there and uh, small groups through there. Like I, I literally just had to <laughs> learn how to be a Christian in the in the workplace. Yeah. It, it was very fulfilling. And I never felt a conflict of, uh, boy, I can't wait till I can really live for the Lord. Um, no, mm. like I, I really felt like I lived for the Lord there. And um, I had a couple of really neat moments, uh, both at the brokerage firm, actually, and then at the car dealership. So at the car dealership, they'd offered me this promotion. And I knew I was going to be leaving for seminary uh, within the next year. Mm-hmm. And um, and they were, just, you know, they had these dreams for, you know, what I could be as customer service manager and all that. And so they offered it to me. And as soon as they offered it to me, I just took it. I was like, oh, that's great. Let's do it. And uh, but then I just felt like the Lord really challenged me that later that evening going, um, you know, you're, you don't plan on being here for like, yeah, like you're you just, know, you're leaving, you know, you're leaving. That's not fair. And so I really conflicted and I thought, Oh man, what am I, what have I done? And so I felt like with integrity, I had to go back and, and mm-hmm. just confess. And so I went back and I told him, I said, listen, you may not want to give me this job. I literally plan on leaving within the course of the year to go to seminary. And uh, to my surprise, they said, you know what, if you can just come in and do as good a job as you can, we'll take however long you can give us. And wow. so that Big was affirmation. A, yeah, that was a surprise to me there. But also, you know, again, yeah, just this idea that God is legitimately working. It's not as though 
there it becomes more holy if you step into mm. a professional vocation ministry capacity. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually another thing I'm reminded of is that, that my calling was a call to follow Jesus. Mm. It wasn't necessarily a calling to go be a pastor at St. Hills community church. Um, I was just called to follow the Lord. And then, and then wherever he puts you, you can do that. Amen. And, uh, and so that, I think that was a lesson that I was uh, really learning. Um, and I, you know, I think another thing I was confronted with <laughs> being in car sales, uh, was to be a man of integrity and honesty. You know, <laughs> if you're in car sales, that gets a bad rap. Other, but though I, can I say this as a disclaimer? Many of my colleagues were actually really honest guys. They weren't, mm. they, they weren't trying to, you know, mess people over. I mean, they, they were legitimately just, they were trying to sell, yeah. uh, but they were doing it with integrity. So I, I do want to say that <laughs> to all my car dealer, dealer friends out there or, or salesmen. Um, but I, I want to be a, a salesman of integrity. So that was something mm-hmm. I felt the Lord really challenged me with. And then. I think another thing was applying that integrity um, at the brokerage firm. So if I could go back for a moment to that. Absolutely. So when I interned at this brokerage firm, uh, it was just for a few months over the summer. Um, there was a time when I was in the office of one of the guys, and I worked in several departments while I was there. And one of the guys that was over me said, hey, we want to do a comparison of fee schedules, uh, which is you know what bro- other brokerage firms charge for their services. And he said, so what I would like you to do is I'd like you to call several brokerage firms and pretend uh, that you're a certain person who's trying to buy a certain amount of stock and, you know, and find out how much they're going to charge you. And then I want you to do this through uh, a number of these other brokerage firms. And then we're going to compare those to what we charge and, you know, get some data. Mm. And so I remember really being conflicted. Like, yeah. you know, he just literally asked me to call and lie. Um, and I it, know, I know. Oh, go ahead. <clears throat> no, it's just interesting because it's like, it's not, it's, it seems like not only, you know, lie once, but take someone on a total ride. <laughs> And exactly. be completely deceitful through the whole process. Exactly. Start to finish. It was so hard. And so I remember thinking, like, and I know he would have said, that's not a big deal. I just, you know, all you're mm-hmm. doing is, you know, getting information. So I tried it with one. I really did. I called, hey, this, and I don't even know if I gave him my real name or not. I just, you know, him looking at buying some stock. Can you tell me what you charge? And then, like, he's trying to go into this, like, legitimately. Like, well, hey, why don't you come meet with me? Why don't you? And here I am being all evasive. Like, oh, uh-huh. yeah, I don't think it's going to work. I got, <laughs> I got some things going on. And then even he was like, what? What is going on? Like, <laughs> what's your deal? <laughs> I was straight through it. He did. I felt like such an idiot. And so I got off the phone. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not doing that. That's stupid. And so the next one I called, I didn't get any permission for this. The next one I called, I said, listen, I'm an intern at this company, and we're trying to get information on what other people charge. Would you tell me what you charge for this? And he was like, oh, yeah, let me help you out. I was like, are you kidding me? I like <laughs> so much better than trying to lie to you. <laughs> yeah. I thought, Who knew being honest would be so much easier? And, uh, and of course, then I didn't have to lie about anything. And, uh, and I did that for the rest of that project. And I was just like, okay, you, this, is, this was my takeaway. You can be an authentic Christian person, not mm-hmm. sacrificing any of your values in any role that you're in. And to be fair, I had more success doing that. And then when it came to car sales, when I, when I would express to people that I was um, a, a Christian, I love the Lord, because mm-hmm. it would come out from time to time, and they realized I wasn't using that as some sort of manipulative ploy to talk them into some sort of deal. It was right. just a bit of who I was. Um, then I actually began to be sought out by Christians, and, and I took that as an affirmation. Mm-hmm. And then I had this balance of, like, here's another thing. Like, I was still trying to make money in as much as possible. I mean, don't get me right, wrong. Right. Like, uh, that was my... That's my assigned goal. You are to make money, and you're to make money for the dealership, and you're to make money for yourself. And the more money you make, the more you can make for yourself. So there's this thing of, okay, I'm going to work really hard, and I really am going to try to make top dollar. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not that I was just gutting every deal so that, oh, you're a believer, let me gut. And I didn't have that power anyways. (laughs) When you're a salesman, you're pretty low in the pole. Um, But just this whole idea of, like, you know, how do I really with integrity do the best job I can from the dealership perspective? Uh, and yet do it with integrity and honesty. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I really tried to walk that out. And then when I became a manager, it was kind of a different, a different role because then you have more authority uh, to be who you want to be. And I like that a lot, be- mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot better, actually. Um, but that's just part of my, I think, part of my work journey uh, 
was demonstrated through how he responded to those activities. Absolutely. That's, it's amazing to see when you see, when you take the verse, you know, where it says work as under the Lord and not as under men, because, yeah, because yeah. when you've got a, a broken person, you know, trying to lead other broken people, right. you get in a situation where they're asking you to be deceitful right, right, to right. another company, to right. lie to them, to get information on them, to try and, you know, do the business world, work around them. And I was, I was just so reminded of David's life, actually, mm. you know, in scripture where the enemy got him to compromise little by little right. until he's murdering someone and committing adultery, right. which leads to civil war, like everything, and everything just falls apart because he was willing to compromise at the little things first. Right. And in the same way, you know, him saying like, oh, it's not a big deal to do this. It's not far from those steps of going, you know, it's not a big deal to lie to our competition. Right. To take you know, it's not a big deal to lie about this. And eventually you get to, it's not a big deal for me to do a little insider trading, to have some information right. on this and to move right. some things around because I've got information that I was, and then the next thing you know, the IRS is knocking on your door and you're going to prison. Right. And you've lost it all. And, and you're justifying it the whole way. Exactly. Like, and you not think that deal. you're okay. Yeah, God's taking care of me. I'm going to, you know, like all these excuses you would tell yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that does get dangerous. And then when you work as under the Lord and you yeah. think, you, and you taking a job promotion and being convicted and going, I can't in good conscience not tell them what my intentions are. Right. And then going in and being blessed by that. Right. And honored by that. And the Lord seeing that as good and working in their hearts to allow you to remain in that position. Right. When we walk in faith and confidence in upright integrity, no matter where we are, what job we're in. Right. The Lord honors that. You know, so the, the verse you quoted, Colossians 3.23, this, you know, work is unto the Lord kind of thing. One of the things I love about that context is it's talking about really a, a slave and master relationship. Mm. And so this idea that you would take somebody and you think, well, how can they really live for the Lord in that context? And yet the presupposition of Paul is that, oh, absolutely you can, and you can work mm -hmm. as unto the Lord. And I, I do think there's a direct correlation to employer-employee relationships, this idea mm -hmm. that I'm given tasks to, to do, and I may not always enjoy doing them. Uh, but here, here's the thing. Let me think of my employer as being the Lord himself. And so mm -hmm. um, that shapes how I view it. And so this is another thing with... So I went to seminary, and the seminary that I went to um, also had a Bible college, but mm -hmm. you didn't have to get a, just a Bible degree. I mean, you could have gotten a business degree and some right. other degrees. And so there was always this, like, it seemed to me, uh, this tension between whether or not you were actually going to be living for the Lord. You know, this, mm -hmm. this is kind of being played out in the Bible college, in the seminary level. Uh, th that is, if you were going to be a missionary, oh, wow, like, you're so close to the Lord. Like, you're, yeah, you're top of the line, front uh, of the line when you go to judgment, you'll be at the throne of God, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then there, below them a little bit, uh, maybe actually a, a good bit was pastors, you know, like, oh, you don't have the guts to go overseas, but, you know, maybe God can still use you here, you know, <laughs> you know and then... Maybe. Yeah, maybe. We'll <laughs> we, see. we don't know. And then, you know, way behind that was, oh, you're getting a business degree. Oh, I guess mm -hmm. you really don't love the Lord, don't trust him enough, you're not willing to take the risks, but, oh, well, you know, we'll pray for you, maybe God can use you. Like this whole thing. That is such a messed up view, and completely unbiblical, if mm -hmm. I could add. Absolutely. And, and so I did love, you know, some years later I'd gone back and I, I'd heard, I think it was the president uh, at the time of the university say, you know, that as he views students, uh, he views them either as future uh, professional ministers or ministering professionals. Mm. That this idea that, you know, we already assume you know Jesus and right. you're going to be ministering. The context is all that's up for debate. So I think when you can come back to a more biblical point of view, you stop assigning unbiblical values to people. Right. Uh, for, you know, for instance, I was thinking about this before we started talking. Like, so if, if you're going to go into ministry, you know, an expectation, a presupposition is, well, you shouldn't make much money if you're in ministry. Like that's not, you should be mm -hmm. almost poor 
and we should, you know, we should almost pity you. You should have a, right. an ugly car. And, you know, and let's be honest, there's a lot of us that, that have lived that out over the, over the course mm-hmm. of life. Uh, but by contrast to that, if you're going into business, then you're expected to go for the, you know, all the money you can get. Right. Uh, but then when you get it, give as much away to missionaries, you know, kind of thing. So like this, this, all this stuff goes in there and you're like, okay, what well, is that? What are we, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, this idea too, that of the, the hierarchy kind of thing, it, it really, not only is it unbiblical, it goes against the heart of the Lord. Mm. When we have this hierarchy of people that we feel comfortable um, assigning it. So there's a reality to a hierarchy in the workplace, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. the top dog, CEO, makes a lot of money. We expect that. Uh, people say yes to him all the time or her. Um, or they respond to that. It's fine. We get the totem pole kind of thing. The problem is when the people in those roles begin to view themselves that way. Mm. And so the guy who's low realizes I'm low. You know, I, I only make so much. And you, when you ask him what his job is, I just do this. You know, it's mm. like this whole, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a nobody. But the CEO, like, I'm the man, I'm the woman. You know, I tell people what to do. They respond. You know, this kind of idea. Well, that's not really a biblical perspective. It is a reality in the workplace, and you have to live within those realities. Um, but, you know, ministers can get that way, too. Ministers mm. can get to a point where the way they're viewing people is very unbiblical as well. So, for instance, you know, if you're a minister and uh, and somebody comes to to pick up your garbage, you still have this tendency, if you're not careful, to look at them, oh, that's just the garbage man, mm. you know. But a very wealthy person in your congregation, oh, that's 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 Ted. I gotta I gotta make sure I stay close to Ted. I gotta take him out to lunch, mm. you know, like this whole. And you honor one over the other. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. you know, the Lord would be like, "What are you doing? Like that is not how God views people. How do you view people?" So we've got to be really careful in that. And I think that there are overtones in that um, in the way we live out our, our work relationships. And so mm-hmm. I would remove, if it were possible for me. Um, uh, a difference between people's perspective of sacred and secular. I think all is sacred if you're a Christian, uh, whether you're Absolutely. in the professional workplace um, or what we might call secular, or if you're in the ministry. And I, I honestly think that you know, not, not to put down any like a garbage collector, but but like if you're a garbage collector, you could legitimately be honoring the Lord with every day of your life. Absolutely. And you could be a pastor who dishonors the Lord with every day of your life based on your perspective of humanity and your submission to your call. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, I would even say this, going back to what I said earlier about not feeling as though it really only matters if I'm in professional ministry. Um, as, as I'm processing how you know, somebody might try to be, be dealing with this, reconciling this in, in their head, I realize your narrative shapes how you're going to view what you're doing. So th- this is what I mean. Um, there's an old story I heard years ago, and um, it was talking about uh, somebody who comes to where they're building a new church, and they go along, and they see a guy who's uh, digging a ditch, and they say, what are you doing here? And he says, well, I'm, I'm digging a ditch. They're going to put footings in here for the building. He's like, oh, okay. Next guy, you know, like, what are you doing? Uh, well, I'm a bricklayer. I'll be putting the facade on the mm-hmm. building. And they go to the next guy who's, you know, clearly an electrician, and they say, um, you know, what are you doing? He says, uh, I'm building a church to the glory of God. Mm. And the, you get this perspective idea that that one gets what the bigger picture is all about. And so if right. you were to ask me as a car salesman, what are you doing? You're like, I sell cars to the glory of God. You know, and before somebody might laugh that off, you'd be like, no, I'm absolutely serious. Yeah. Like like I like the money, it honors the Lord. I'm going to work as, as though for the Lord. I'm going to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give to my church. I'm going to serve in my church. Like all this mm-hmm. perspective. And here's the thing, going into professional ministry, doesn't change anything. I'm the same guy. You right. know, that's that's what it should be. So I guess that's how I process some of that. That's fantastic. And it really is just that that absolute mindset of no matter where I am, no matter what I do, I'm going to do it for the glory of God. Because one of the biggest things that I hear when I talk to some college students um, that I get to meet with, one of the one of them was so concerned. He said, I was like, I was staying up all night. I was anxious, you know, just tormented with anxiety because he, he had two job offers mm. straight out of, before he even graduated. Right. It's a nice deal. <laughs> he has to have two job offers before you're even out of there. And he goes, I'm worried that 
God wants me to choose one of them to stay in. And if I don't choose the right one, I'm going to make him super upset. Because that's and how I, God is. And I'm like, I didn't know your name was Jonah yeah. and that you'd received a word from the Lord to go directly to someplace. I'm yeah. like, look, if, if you've honored the Lord with your education and he's opened the door to two great opportunities, pray for wisdom to choose it and, right. and step through in faith that no matter where you go, you're going to honor the Lord there. That's right. And you're going to work on mission, ask for him in each capacity, and he's going to be honored by that no matter which one you choose. That's right. Because it could change down the road, too. You might leave that job. Right. You know? Well, when I th- and I think about the creation of man. So if I go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. you know, there were these commands given to man. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, there was these, uh, these series of commands, and however you list them out. I mean, they could be like five or they could be three, depending on how you list them out. So one's to be fruitful and multiply, mm-hmm. right? So <laughs> go get married, have babies. Like, you know. There it is. So people that have babies, hey, praise the Lord, you're fulfilling his will. So second was to fill the earth and subdue it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to fill the earth, obviously, is populated uh, again. Um, but for us to move around, uh, to have different cities, uh, but to subdue it, like that's that's part of the work aspect that you're supposed to go out and you take control of this world and you make things, you create things, you develop things, uh, you run things. Like that's that's a part of God's plan. And then the final part of that command was to have dominion over all the animals mm-hmm. on the earth. And so when you think about our roles to subdue and to have dominion, they connect to every aspect of work. So literally what it means is that whatever you do as a vocation, it, it can be, can be done. Maybe not is done, but can be done to the glory of God. Absolutely. And it is very satisfying to him. And so like, it always grieves me when, you know, people will like try to elevate my position. Like, Oh, you're a, you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, like I don't have that in me. Like, like what, what are you doing? Like, yeah. like I do this as a as a job. I love it, uh, but but I'm a Christian, and I I do this because I love Jesus. Like, what do you do? And it doesn't matter what vocation they would do. Like, you realize you have the same job I do, mm-hmm. right? Like, different emphases, different focuses, different opportunities. But this idea that what am I being? Called? I'm called to live a holy life. What are you called to live a holy life? You yeah. know, I'm, I'm supposed to be a witness for Christ. What are you supposed to be? I'm supposed to be a witness for Christ. You know, I'm supposed to Absolutely. you know take care of the church, honor the saints. You know, all these kinds of things. And so, whatever somebody's wrestling with that I'm not really, I'd be like, stop, please. Mm. Let's go back to just talk about where you work and now. How can you glorify God where you are? And I would say a dual message for employees and employers where if you have the privilege of being an employer or a company owner, Mm -hmm. to to remember that the Lord is very strong on his commands on how we view our workforce and how we care for them. Um, And it is never God's intention that we would live some sort of exorbitant lifestyle um, you know, making that off the, the blood and sweat of our employees, um, but that, right. we would, that we would share to some degree. Now, you know, how that works out, well, you know, yeah. I, I, there's not a numerical value, but just the idea of uh, make sure you share, share the wealth and, uh, and bless the kingdom and bless the saints. Um, but, you know, we've got to be uh, good, healthy, honest employers and employees, mm-hmm. and in it all, God can be glorified. And that's where we really get to become Christians, no matter where we are, bear the name of Christ. And when you're in that capacity as an employer or a leader, some kind of boss, you have Christ as your example, who is the king, the guy yeah. who deserves all glory in the universe, humbled himself to serve his people. Mm. And that's the example of leadership that we follow, is that if you've been put into a position that you get to lead others, you do it from a place of humility. Mm. And, you, and you put the other people first because you know that you're responsible for them. Right. And you don't count your position that God's blessed you with because he's put you there. You don't count that as something to lord over other people. Right. But you right. count it as an opportunity to serve them mm. and be a servant. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I've always been very encouraged about whenever, even with small leadership roles, to think, okay, this isn't about my position in leadership. This is about how I can serve these people. Yeah. You know, these people aren't here to serve my purpose. I'm here to serve them. Right. 
And when you walk into it in that mindset, and I remember you said this to me uh, when I was a freshman because you were discipling me. You said, because I was, I was, you know, kind of in the truck. I was kind of mad. I was like, I just can't wait to do ministry. Like, I'm, I'm so annoyed I don't get to do it right now. And you're, you looked at me and you went, what's stopping you? <laughs> it's not a degree that makes you do that. It, right. It's your heart's position. And right. I was like, now I got to repent of stuff. <laughs> it's like, oh, I got to go change my heart. Yeah. But that's always something I've stuck with me. And it's, it's applicable to the ministry and it's applicable to the workforce. Wherever you are, minister where you're at. Right. You don't need a degree to do it. You need the Holy Spirit. And if you're a follower and believer in Christ Jesus, you've got that promise to you. And, and if you look for it, he's created good works for you to walk into. Amen. Yeah, and I, I would even say, too, that you know, one of the things we've got to be careful of, just like you were talking about me kind of sharing with you, mm-hmm. is that you know, for the next generation, for the people coming up under us, uh, and, and in particular for parents, mm. to teach our children, um, to teach young people that we have an influence on, uh, a, a really solid theology of work. That mm. this is what you do is valuable. Hard work is valuable, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to have an overt Christian connection. Right. Um, you know that is you know if you've been if you work at you know I was gonna say Chick Fil A that actually almost sounds like an overt Christian connection. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you look at a restaurant or any kind of service industry or something like that. Like you can clearly do that to the glory uh, of God. And so I think for parents, the idea of teaching my kids when they're young to mm. to work and to work hard. And so if I ever go visit a home and a woman um, is, is there with her kids and, and, you know, I see her uh, kids on the floor helping to, to scrub the floor and clean it along with the mom or something like that, just like that's good training. Mm. Um, or, or where a dad may have his kid out there helping push the lawnmower uh, around, like that's good training. But, but I think where really it gets key is like when you ask your kids to do something and then they really don't want to do it. So like mm. <laughs> you know, I had, had a lot of this in our home raising kids. And if you raise kids, you're going to have it in your home. But this idea that, um, you know, I'd say my kids, Hey, I need the pine cones picked up. Dad's going to mow later later. So I need to go pick out these pine cones. Well, you know, our yard is full of pine trees. And so we've got a ridiculous amount of pine cones out there. And mm. my kids were always like, Oh, like, dad, please don't make me do this. I'm like, no, go, go out there and do it. Well, can I do any, like go out and pick up the pine cones. But the thing is, you know, if you can teach your children while they're growing up, to value, you know, hard work, and then mm-hmm. I would even add in their punctuality, they can have and succeed in almost any job that's out there because we're in a world where people are trying to get rid of uh, hard work themselves. Mm-hmm. They're trying to dish it off to somebody else, and they struggle with being punctual. And so, like, I told my kids, if you can be punctual and learn how to work hard, you can rule the world. And yeah. uh, and so that would be, like, what I would go back to, it. like, I'd call it a Christian work ethic, you know? Absolutely. This goes back to I'm working as though I'm working unto the Lord. And you may not be able to fully communicate that. <laughs> That's your right. kids. I don't know. Like, you know, pick pine cones up for Jesus, kids. Uh, but, you know, but the idea is that that's what you're trying to train. And I would say this now, fortunately, both my kids are older now, and mm-hmm. I know they have to make a choice along the way, but both very hard workers. And uh, they both really, um, when they've had positions in, in places of employment, they've they've done well. And so I like to think that that's something either the Lord has done through us or yeah. <laughs> he's coached them well. So as we kind of wrap it up and are looking back at, at the the insurance, no, not insurance, sorry, the stock brokerage uh, spot mm-hmm. that you worked and then at the car salesman. To people in those specific professions, mm-hmm. what would you say? If you could say one thing to them, what would you say? Ooh, that's good. If I could say one thing uh, to them. So, um, you know, I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, I guess one thing I would say is be careful of the false dichotomy that, mm-hmm. that well, here, you know, I'm, I'm paid to, you know, sell stocks or here I'm here paid to sell cars. Um, but then when, but when I'm a church, you know, then I'll teach the Bible study and I'll like, okay, okay, let's be careful what we're doing there. You've not been called to live in two worlds. You live in one world all the time. Absolutely. And so the idea is now how then, and this, I think this would be a fun endeavor, especially if you were with like-minded other car salesmen. So if I sit down with other Christian car salesmen and I am a car salesman, um, guys, how can we glorify God in what we do? Like that would be a fun conversation. 
Uh, you know, like, well, maybe when somebody comes to buy a car and we know it's more than they can afford, even though it might be lucrative for us, how about we just say something to them? Like, you know, honestly, I know you want the brand new Mustang. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should be looking at this little Ford Focus. You know, this kind of, yeah. <laughs> like, maybe re- 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 redirect them a little bit. Um, I mean, that would be some integrity there. Or yeah. if the person looks at you and goes, man, I don't know, that seems like an awful lot. You know, do you think I could get a better deal on this? You know, rather than being, you know, lying and like, no, nope, this is all you can do. You know, <laughs> when you know there's probably still some room, be like, well, I don't, you can talk to my manager and, you know, like, you know, just work with integrity. Yeah. Uh, and then even like the brokerage uh, world, this idea that uh, my, my concern would be, especially if you, you're in the area of wealth and accumulation mm-hmm. of wealth, that there can be some elitism that comes with that. Kind of like, mm, I wonder what the poor people are doing today. You know, this kind of, you got to be careful of that. Like have, always have God's view of people. So that you realize it doesn't matter how much money I make or how much stuff I have. God views me in a particular way. And he views me the same way as he views the poorest lover of Christ in this world ever. And so mm-hmm. I have to be careful that I don't treat people in a different way or I don't view people in a different way. Now, by contrast, to say, well, how can I then be a stockbroker to the glory of God? Well, my role is to make people as much money as possible. So I'm going to be well-studied, well-researched, understand markets. And I will, to the best of my ability, give good advice. Not just advice that will pay me higher commissions but advice that will help them to establish their, you know, their, their livelihood and their, uh, their legacy. So Absolutely. I, think, I think those would be things that I would give them. And then something else too would be this, pursue a theology of work. Like that's a real thing. It's not, we're mm. not just making that term up. There's actually a website. I don't even know if you know this, uh, theologyofwork.org. You can actually go there, theologyofwork.org. There we go. So that's pretty cool. Um, so Tim Keller's on that. And one of the things that you'll find, Tim Keller's one of my favorite preachers who's mm-hmm. now retired. Um, he also wrote a book called Every Good Endeavor. So Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. And it's all about a theology of work. Like how can I, in what we would consider a secular workforce, really glorify God through what I do? Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you, if you're asking that question, you're already on a good path. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and it's not just putting a Bible verse over your desk, you know, or something. Right, <laughs> right. Like there's, a, there's more than stuff. that. Yeah, it's more, we're going to go a little bit beyond that. But yeah, that's what, that's what I would say is um, begin to really pursue a theology of work that will really bless you as a believer working in whatever venue you're in. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking us through that journey and some of your story and sharing with us the wisdom that you have, kind of looking back on that and seeing how the Lord is working those things. So thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we thank you guys for tuning in, whether you're watching on YouTube or uh, listening wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it. Uh, consider like, sharing, subscribing. Uh, send it to some friends. Maybe start a little group, listen to it together. Talk about how can we glorify God in your workspace. But we look forward to seeing you again and have a great week.